0: You know, there are many things associated with the Christmas season that we enjoy and look forward to, Um, a lot of emotion, a lot of heart, a lot of sentimentality associated with it, and there's nothing wrong with any of that. I was reading an article, actually, um, earlier about Christmas Eve services, and they were cautioning us to be careful. So that Christmas Eve and our, you know, because a lot of people will come to a Christmas Eve service that never come to church during the year. It's one of the reasons we're encouraging you to invite people. But uh, they were encouraging us in this article to not make the Christmas Eve service just about sentimental stuff. That the message of the gospel and what Christmas is really about needs to be clear because we can give people through sentimentality a false sense of eternal security. And there's a lot of truth in that because you know last Sunday we said that Christmas without Palm Sunday and Easter that the birth of Jesus without the cross and the resurrection is an incomplete story and without power to change anybody's life and so this month we're talking about the difference the real Jesus makes and because we know him we We not only know about Him, but we are in a relationship with Him. So many things change because of that. And and that's the real message of Christmas. It's not just the beauty of the season, the sweetness of the celebration, the joy of gathering with family. The real message of Christmas is that real stuff changes in people's lives because of the relationship they have with Jesus Christ, and today I want to talk about the about uh, the biggest enemy we face, and how knowing Jesus makes a difference. And that enemy is called death. We normally don't really think about or talk about death, as it when we think about Christmas. But you see, people die because of sin. People spend eternity without Jesus in the hell because of sin. We're all sinners. Jesus was born, lived a holy life, died a painful death, was raised from the dead so that we could be forgiven and not experience eternal death and spiritual death. So we'll talk about how Jesus makes a difference in this area. One of the things that uh, you'll notice a lot of this time of year are these lists. Every year they put out a list of who we lost this past year. Celebrities, sports figures, famous people, scientists, authors—who are who are the people that died this past year? And for instance, some of you will remember the name Diane Carroll, and some of you won't. But I, I mention her because you know she was a trailblazer. She was the first African American. Woman to win a, a Tony Award for her work on Broadway. She was the first African-American woman to be featured in a lead role on a television series in the late 60s and early 70s. And she died this year uh, at age 84. Others of you will remember the name Leah. Iacocca. He died this year at age 94. The only person to ever be CEO of two of the big three. He was CEO of both Chrysler And Ford, and some will credit him with with not only rescuing Chrysler in the 80s, but back in the 60s making a big difference at Ford because he's the one that led the creation of the car that a lot of you like, the Mustang. And it brought a lot of money to the Ford industry. One of the things I remember about him was uh, his leading in the early 80s, the effort to restore the uh, Statue of Liberty. And the first time I saw the Statue of Liberty was in the late 70s. And I thought, man, that's ugly. I was really, I mean I was really disappointed because it was all green and and it was really disappointing. It, it doesn't look anything now like it did then. They they restored it and it, and it looks so much better. And that's one of the things I remember about him was leading that effort to restore the Statue of Liberty. I read his autobiography and and actually got some leadership tips from it. Another person who died this year was one of my favorite baseball players when I was a kid, Frank Robinson. He was 83. The only person to be most valuable player in both the National League and the American League is a baseball player. I I was a fan of his when he was with the Orioles in Baltimore, 14 times an all-star, and the first African-American to be manager of a major league baseball team. In fact, he ended up managing several teams in his career. But it's not just older people who die. Younger people now... I have a feeling the next service more are going to recognize these two names, these two rappers, Juice and Nipsey, who died 121 from an overdose, the other 34 from a gunshot wound. See, people die regardless of age, regardless of success, regardless of money, regardless of of fame. Everybody in this room will die. All of us have known and loved people who have died. Death is a part of... Of reality and there's no escaping it. And you may not know this, but in the past three years, listen to this, in the past three years the life expectancy in America, the average life expectancy has actually decreased primarily because of uh, alcohol-related liver disease, drug overdose, and suicide. As more and more people in our successful culture are dealing with mental issues and depression and discouragement and isolation and loneliness, the lack of connection, the lack of purpose, because the reality is being successful and being wealthy and being famous and having a nicer house and a nicer car does not make us on the inside any happier than we were without those. You all remember when you had nothing but love? You remember when you first got married and you were in love and you were happy but you didn't have anything? And so people are struggling in life. And what they need is more than a sentimental, beautiful story about a baby being born in a manger. What they need is a real Savior, a real Lord, a real God who can change their life. And the people you know and you care about need you to be more than sentimental with them. They need you to pray for them. They need you to love and serve them in Jesus' name. They need you to invite them to church. They need you to witness to them. They need you to share your testimony with them. They need you to take that ornament, even if you've done nothing with it since you picked it up a few weeks ago, they need you to hold it in your hand this week and pray for them and then give it to them and invite them to worship Jesus this Christmas. That's what they need. And that's what God wants us to do. This coming Wednesday evening, we'll have our annual memorial service when we remember loved ones who died, whether recently or years ago, and we'll worship Jesus. And not every name that I call out and will appear on the screen Wednesday night will be somebody who died old. Some of them will be people who died young, well before their time, we would say. So here's my question for you. When facing death... Does knowing Jesus matter when facing death? Does knowing Jesus matter in the life of your one? Does it? Then what are you going to do about it? Because we know him. We can face this enemy in a way that those who do not know him cannot face it. I've been in homes and hospital rooms when people died and they didn't know Jesus and The family doesn't know Jesus and I'm telling you there is a marked difference. It's not just a theological reality. You sense it in their emotions. You sense it in their conversations. You sense it in the very atmosphere that is in that room. There is a difference when somebody knows Christ and when they don't know Christ. And because we know Him we don't have to face this enemy alone and we don't have to face it the way others do. Now There's a beautiful story in John 11 that helps us understand how knowing Jesus makes a difference when we deal with this enemy called death. The difference it makes for you and for me and the difference it can make for your one if they'll commit their lives to Christ. In John chapter 11 it says in verse 1 there was a man who was sick, his name was Lazarus, lived in the village of Bethany with Mary and her sister Martha. So here's a family of two sisters and a brother, Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. And um, Mary was the one who had anointed Jesus uh, with oil and wiped his feet with her hair. And it's her brother, Lazarus, who's sick. And so in verse 3, the sisters send word to Jesus. Now, in the earlier chapters, Jesus has left Jerusalem. Bethany is a little village about two miles outside of Jerusalem. Jesus had been in Jerusalem. Now he's left and he's on the other side of the Jordan River up near where John had baptized uh, three years earlier. And so he's about... Twenty miles away, about a day's walk away, they send word to Jesus that Lazarus is sick. Now, this is a family whom Jesus loved. He often stayed in their home when he was in Jerusalem in that area. And so, about a day's walk away, and they send word to Jesus that Lazarus is sick. And and um, when the person arrives and tells Jesus that Lazarus is sick, um. In verse 6, Jesus didn't leave where he was and head to Bethany. In verse 6, it says he stayed there another two days. So now three days have passed since this messenger left Bethany to find Jesus. One day to travel, two days as Jesus stays there. And then at the end of those three days, Jesus announces to his disciples that Lazarus is dead. And then they start the journey to Bethany to visit with Mary and Martha and the rest of the family and 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 the friends. And so if you drop down, the story picks up in verse 17. So one day for the messenger to get to where Jesus is, two days that he waits there, so now it's three days. Jesus travels to Bethany, so it's been four days by the time he arrives. And in uh, verse, verse uh Uh, 17, so when Jesus came, when he gets to Bethany where the family lived, he found that he, that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. Now what that means is Lazarus died the very day the messenger left Bethany to find Jesus. He did not die during the two days Jesus waited. See, in, in their day and time when someone died, they put them in the tomb that very day. And then the family would gather and mourn. They didn't keep the body at a funeral home or in the house the way or or wherever. They they buried the person. They put them in the tomb, rolled the stone against it that very day. Remember when Jesus died on, on Good Friday, they took him down from the cross and put him in the tomb that very day, right? That was common practice. And so they buried Lazarus. And now the family is in the home with their relatives and their friends and their neighbors supporting each other, grieving, being together, just like we do when we lose someone. So Jesus shows up. Now, I I make that point. So don't think Jesus was callous, that he waited for Lazarus to die and then started toward Jerusalem. That's not what happened. By the time the messenger got there, Lazarus was already dead, and Jesus knew that. So now he shows up, and uh, he's been buried four days verse 18 Bethany was about uh, 2 miles from Jerusalem verse 19 many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother so neighbors people from they, they knew in the city of Jerusalem you know just down the ways people showed up that's what we do we gather to support each other we bring food we 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 we, we cut the grass we we run errands we help people when someone when someone dies right and by the way, I've seen people who don't have a church family or don't have a large family, uh, man, face that that, that alone. They, nobody. They don't have a Sunday school class that shows up. You want to know why you need to be in Sunday school? The depth of those relationships with fellow believers makes a difference when you need it. So go to Sunday school. You'll be glad you did. Now, so they are there with Mary and and Martha, and in verse verse twenty, Martha therefore, when she heard that Jesus was coming, went to meet him. But Mary stayed in the house. So Martha, one of the sisters, gets up and goes outside to meet Jesus before he makes his way to the house. And look at verse twenty-one. Martha said to Jesus, "Lord, if if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Do you know that God can handle your questions?" When things happen and you don't understand, when life goes in such a way and it doesn't make sense to you, God can handle your questions. God's not going to send a lightning bolt from heaven and kill you just because you have a question, just because there's something you don't understand. So here's Martha face to face with Jesus and she says, and this is pretty bold, isn't it? Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. One, she's confessing that she believes he had the power to keep Lazarus from dying. But two, she's also confessing, Lord, where were you? There are going to be things in life we don't understand. And then she goes on to say, even now I know that whatever you ask of God, God will, will give you. So she has faith. It's not that she doesn't have faith. It's just that in the midst of her faith she has questions. Any of you who have faith in Jesus also have questions yeah, if you don't, something's wrong. We do have questions. There are things we're not going to understand until we get to heaven. Now here's one of the points you're going to see. Having all your questions answered is not what gives you comfort. Something else does. Yeah, there are things we, we don't understand. But there are things we do understand, right? We understand that our life on earth... Is going to have a mixture of sunshine and rain. Some people get more sunshine and others get more rain, but we all have both. We understand that our time on earth, our life on earth is limited. It doesn't last forever. Now, some live much longer than others. Some have short lives, and we don't understand the differences, but we know that, that life is filled with good and bad, with happiness and sadness, That is filled with life and death. And whether someone lives to be in their 80s or 90s or dies in their 20s or their teens, when you you lay it against eternity, life is short, it's brief. And all of us, all of us, no matter our age, if we are in good health, wish we could live longer than we do. Life is brief. I often tell people that it's like uh, the beautiful azaleas that will bloom in South Carolina. I wish they lasted longer. They don't last long, do they? They're beautiful. I mean they're gorgeous when you when they first bloom, or the dogwood trees, the the blooms. I love those things. I just wish they lasted a a little bit longer. And life is like that. It's a it's a beautiful burst of, of joy and pleasure, but it doesn't last. It's brief. What does last? We, we, we know this. There are things we don't know, but there are things we know. We know life is brief, but we also know that eternity is long. I shared one analogy with you last Sunday to help you understand eternity. Let me share another one with you that I often share in, in funeral services. Um, uh, just, just in your mind, try to picture the, the, the Atlantic Ocean down here at Myrtle Beach or somewhere. A little sparrow will get a drop of water in its beak, and then he'll take the journey of 3,000 miles across this continent and allow that water to fall into the Pacific at San Diego. And then he returns to Myrtle Beach and gets another drop of water and across the continent to San Diego and back and forth and back and forth. When that one little bird has completely emptied the Atlantic Ocean into the Pacific, eternity will only have begun. Now I don't understand that concept. Beyond me, but I know it's real. I know there's eternity. So life, the life is short. Eternity. Is, there's things I don't understand, and there are things I do know. That that God created us for eternity. And Martha was like that. She said, "Lord, there there are things I understand. I know that even now you could give life to my brother, but I don't understand why he died when he did, and you, you didn't prevent him from dying." And so sometimes faith is mixed with questions, and that's okay. That's okay. Because our comfort and our peace, listen, our comfort and our peace is not found in having all the answers. And so in the story, um, Jesus in verse 25 said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even if he dies. And everyone Who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? If you visit uh, George Washington's home at Mount Vernon and walk down a trail and behind the house, you'll come to a little burial plot where his remains lie. And there's a simple little marker, simple little stone marker, and on it are these two verses. What did Jesus mean? Not just when he said, I am the resurrection and the life, because resurrection and life, physical life, eternal life, spiritual life, all of that is found in him. But he said, he who believes in me will live even if he dies. What does he mean? It means that because we know him, even though this physical body dies, we don't die. The Apostle Paul said to be absent from the body is to what? Be present with the Lord. But then Jesus continued in verse 26 by saying, Everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. What does that mean? It means even though we physically die, we spiritually live. We live on. Death, physical death is not the end. In fact, there's, there are two types of death. There's physical death and spiritual death. Physical death is what each and every one of us experience when we take our last breath and this body ceases to live. Physical death. Spiritual death is what all of us are born into because of our sin. But because we know him, because we know him, we are made spiritually alive and we live forever. You're one is already spiritually dead, just as you were before you gave your life to Jesus Christ. Dead in trespasses, dead in sin. You were made spiritually alive when you became a follower of Jesus. Your one needs to be made spiritually alive because if not... If, if if they never come to know Jesus Christ, if your grandchild, your brother, your husband, your neighbor, your best friend, who's your one who doesn't know Christ, never comes to know Jesus, they are spiritually dead, and if they continue that way, when they physically die on the other side of the grave, they remain spiritually dead and that means separated from Jesus, separated from God, separated from hell as a consequence of sin. Now Jesus is saying because I know him because you know him it, if if you know him even though you die you live because you're spiritually alive. And he's also pointing to the resurrection in this story as well there's there's just there's just so much here that is so that is so Beautiful, but here's one of the points I want you to get. What really really comforts us is not having all of our questions answered, knowing all this information. What comforts us is having a relationship with Christ. Because Jesus looked at Martha and he said, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will, will live even if he dies, and everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Then he said, Do you believe? And in all of this, notice I am, the one who believes in me, who believes in me. It's all about Jesus. You ever been in a situation, there was nothing someone could say that would make you feel better, but just the fact that they were there made you feel better? See, what helps us is just the presence, the very person of Jesus. Now, he does all this for us. He gives us life. But it's the relationship. It's the relationship. It's the relationship. And what your one needs more than anything else is a relationship with Jesus Christ. Well, let me move forward and wrap this up verse 27 Martha says yes lord i believe and she notice what she she says she doesn't say i believe that you can do all this stuff i believe you are who you are and then in verse 28 she goes to the house gets her sister mary and 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 mary runs out to jesus and in and and uh verse uh, verse uh, 32 when Mary came to where Jesus was and she saw him, she fell at his feet. She, she just collapsed on the ground at his feet. Notice what she said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Isn't that the exact same thing her sister Martha said? In some sense, she was saying, Lord, I know all this stuff. And I know you and I believe you and I have a relationship with you and I trust you. But it still hurts and, and death does. And you see that depicted here so so powerfully uh, in verse 33 when Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who came with her, all their friends and neighbors and so on, weeping and crying. It says at the end of verse 33 that Jesus was deeply moved in the spirit and was troubled. And the, the word translated deeply moved here is a word that literally means his intestines, his guts were twisted. His bowels were twisted. Have you ever felt an emotion, a pain, a a grief, a loss, a fear so powerfully that it just twisted you on the inside? That's what Jesus felt because he cares. And um, verse 34, they they come to the tomb. Verse 35, Jesus wept shortest verse in the Bible. And everybody looking at Jesus commented on how much he loved Lazarus. And then in uh, verse 38, so Jesus again being deeply moved, it's that same word of twisting him on the inside. Jesus being deeply moved within came to the tomb. It was a cave and a stone was laid against it and he said remove the stone, roll the stone away and Martha, his sister, said, Lord, he's 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 been buried four days. He's starting to have a have an odor. We don't want to do that. And in verse 41, they they finally obeyed Jesus and removed the stone and he raised his eyes and he prayed and said, Father, I thank you. And he goes on. And at the end of his prayer in verse 43, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. Reminiscent of what uh First Thessalonians tells us what will happen at the end of time when Jesus comes back. That the Lord will return with a shout. Voice of the archangel with the trumpet of God that will sound. And there's three, three things there. The, the trumpet of God blown by angels. The voice of the archangel saying something. But also a shout of Jesus. And, and I like it here it said that, that, that Jesus cried out with a loud voice. Lazarus, come forth. And I don't think he cried out with a loud voice because if he whispered, it wouldn't happen. I think he wanted everybody around to hear and know that it was he, that it was himself, that it was Jesus who was doing this. And and when Jesus comes back, and, and, and by the way, you know Jesus in John's gospel said, my sheep hear my voice and they follow me because they know me, and I know them. And they they won't follow a false voice, another voice. Lazarus and Jesus had a relationship. When Jesus comes back, he's going to shout. He's going to shout. And all over this planet, those who know him, because we know him, those who know him will hear his voice, and they'll know it's him. They'll know it's his voice. Why? Because they have a relationship with him. Lazarus walked out of that grave alive. Now Lazarus' resurrection was not the same as the one you and I will experience at the second coming. Lazarus was not resurrected to a spiritual body, to an eternal body, to a glorified body like Jesus had after his resurrection. Lazarus was resurrected to the same physical body he had before because Lazarus would eventually die again. But it's a picture of the fact that at the second coming of Jesus when we hear his voice we come out of that grave resurrected not just to this body but to a transformed body that's like the body Jesus had after his resurrection. Paul describes it for us in 1 Corinthians 15 and I put the words on the screen so let's look at this. He said there are also heavenly bodies and earthly bodies, two types of bodies, one made for this physical realm and one made for the spiritual realm of heaven. And they're not the same. Let's go to the next slide. He said, this is how the resurrection of the dead is. This body, notice this, this body is sown as a perishable body, a body that doesn't last, a body that decays. It is raised in an imperishable body, a body that lasts forever. It is sown in dishonor. Why? Because it's been touched by sin. It is raised in honor, a body that will never know Sin, it is sown in weakness. You understand that, right? <laughs> but it's raised in power. It is sown a natural body, an earthly body, a fleshly body. It's raised a spiritual body. There's two types. Lazarus was raised back to the first type. At the second coming of Jesus, all who know him and hear his voice will be resurrected to the second type, the spiritual body. And it's all because we know him. And your one, your loved one, your friend, your one, if you want them to have that same experience, they need to know him.